Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Yeah, coming to you live from the Ray Horseman studio in North Hollywood, California. It's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. On today's show, Kelly Dormandy, head strength and conditioning coach for the LA Sparks, talks the science of exercise. How do you get strong, flexible, and lean? And are double-stuffed Oreos part of that equation? Also on the show, face recognition. There's a woman sitting across the table from me right now who looks vaguely familiar, but I can't place her name. It's me. Is that a thing? It's not you. Dr. Irving Biederman, director of the Image Understanding Laboratory at USC, can explain what's going on in my brain right now. I believe I see this woman every week. Anyway, in fact, not a week goes by that I don't see her. Pat, Petunia, Pepsi, there's something to do. I know the Pepsi's involved. Anyway, I'm Adam Felber, the guy who gets this show's metaphorical weights properly racked. Then now, meet the woman whose kettlebells are always flying off the handle. Oh, that's who you are. It's Paula Poundstone. Thank you very much. So nice well, to be here. Welcome, Paula, and thank you to tonight's cool house band double bass player, Dave Fortin. Dave Dave Fortin. Dave Dave Fortin. Yeah. Oh, for double. Double bass. Gotcha. Double bass. Paula, let's talk possums. We were on our way out of the Ray Horseman Studios. I don't know. Was it last week? The week Two before? Weeks ago. I can't remember. And this, you step out into a little walkway outdoors, and there's a. You're being fence. kind because it's an alley. Okay, you step out into an alley and there's a fence with uh, like ivy on top of right. it, a lot of growth. And just as we step out, literally at like our the, the fence at is about level. to yeah. our face. Yeah. Uh, there's a giant possum. Giant possum, like like no more than like two or three feet from our faces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now I argued that it was at least a cute possum. I thought he had I a cute so face. I think so too. I have had a couple of possum encounters, and they're I think they're some of the grossest, vilest creatures I've ever seen. But as possums go, this was a cute one. Yeah, it was a cute. It, I don't know. Yeah, it just had like a soft kind of a face. I I, no. I don't think he's gonna make it on Miranda Street. <laughs> that soft, cute face of his. Yeah, this yeah. Is this is a tough, is a tough, tough yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was probably looking to score. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the way possums do. Um, no, so you've seen possums before? I've had some possum encounters, and they were really like I learned in my first possum encounter that when it comes to fight or flight, I'm flight. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I, my friend and I were taking a break from a movie at his place. It was in Silver Lake, and this possum, I guess, scaled all the way up this fence from down in the ravine and came out of the bush, like, as close to me as you are right now. Uh-huh. And me and my friend Kent, Kent Osborne, if you're listening, I know you do, um, had completely different reactions. I ran away. And Kent stood there like this, as though he was going to fight the possum. 
<laughs> and I was like, Ken, what are you doing? And he was like, I was like, I don't know. It's not backing down. I'm like, well, you can. He's like, well, what do I do? And he was, it was just this. He, well, he didn't want to turn and have the thing spring onto the back of his head. I don't think possums do that. Now, I, you've had some I possum experiences. I don't know what they do. I mean, would they? I'll tell you. Well, a long time ago, my cat Scout got out of my house. And uh, my cats are indoor cats. And uh, But Scout got out and uh, through a window. And uh, she was around the neighborhood. Right. I even saw her here and there. I just couldn't catch her. And she was all like freaked out. So I got a, uh, what's it called? Mm, uh, uh, a, a humane trap. A humane trap. And so it's a long cage with a thing that trips the doors that's in the center. And then the animal has to go in and it's far enough in that it wouldn't get its tail caught or something. That's humane. And so I use, very humane, and I use- Is there a little um, armchair in there as well? It's very comfortable. <laughs> it's a big screen TV. Um <laughs> Nature Channel. You give it your Netflix password. Uh, I, I donated to it. So what I used was chicken tenders from the Jack in the Box down the street, and I put that in the center. I would argue that that makes it an inhumane trap. <laughs> well, 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 I got to tell you, I caught, I think it was the same possum over and over again. Oh, because you um, kept letting it go? Well, yeah, I didn't want it. Wait, letting it I off with my, a warning? I How is that going to solve the problem? Scout. That was who I was looking for. Scout. <laughs> now Jorge just dropped something. Yeah, everybody. Jorge. Everybody gets a turn being Bonnie Burns on this show. Our um, recording engineer. Oh, it was Ray is, Horseman, right? He's building with an erector set over near the. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of tools. Uh, maybe now is not the time. Uh, but anyways, so, <laughs> so yeah, so, so that was kept, my possum. Catch, you were doing catch and release. Um, well, it turns out, I don't know what possums do. Like, I don't know, like, if they would hurt a person, but they, they love wouldn't. chicken tenders. Um, they, they, they could murder a chicken tender. They order. love the chicken tenders from the Jack in the Box, and I know this because um, at the drive-up window at the Jack in the Box near our house, um, there was off some dead possums. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh, because they were trying to order. They were in the drive-up lane, yeah. <laughs> it's just not safe at all. They go, we'd like to have the chicken. Ah! I don't even know what you're thinking of when you when you trap a possum just long enough to give it a meal and then let it go. I mean, what what's your plan there? What's the end game? I had no. My plan was to catch my cat Scout. Oh. Oh, you thought the whole time I was trying to catch possums in the neighborhood? Yeah, I thought, I thought you were trying to protect oh. Scout. So maybe possums. somewhere along the story, you you lo- you drop the thread. I lost interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can. That happens. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. possums. You know, possums disgust me. So it's, yeah, it's it's hard. Now they don't disgust me as much as they disgust um, Tony Anita Hall. One of our producers, uh, Tony Anita Hull, and, um, and, uh, she yeah. hated that possum. She freaked she out. She did not think it was cute at all. And I would, th- you know, if it had been like on a possum display where there was some sort of glass between me and it, right. A, that wouldn't be right. Right. But B, I, I would have really enjoyed it more. Right. Yeah. As no, it was, Tony, you felt Tony like Lawson, you need- I thought what was ironic about that is it was two weeks ago. Uh, regular listeners will know that that was the night when... Uh, when Jonah Knuckles Glickman, our security detail, was not here. Yeah. So Tony was our security detail. That was the night she was being oh, right. Tony Anita Hulk, if you yeah. remember. So yeah. she had to keep walking by that possum. Yeah, she had to walk by yeah. that possum. She was like, uh, she couldn't have protected us from a tiny rodent. Yeah. So that... uh, so if you were one of our guests that night, I just want to say you dodged a bullet because that... had anybody attacked. That possum works for a local gang. <laughs> That uh, you know what I don't know like would they attack you? 
when it was in the humane trap, it did hiss at me. But I, I had this make feeling when we were walking out and like all of a sudden it was just there. Like you're right, like two feet in front of our faces, right at face level. Um, I was just afraid that it was going to like attack my face. I just, yeah. I've, and then the people go, well. You know, this one didn't look angry. The one I encountered with my friend Kent. It, it, its it looked face angry. was like viscous and and snarly. Yeah, and it looked like. Uh, did you ever see that Jim Henson movie that wasn't a Muppet movie? It was called The Dark Crystal. No, I didn't There's see that. There's a creature in The Dark Crystal. The evil creatures are known as Skeksis. Skeksis. Yeah. Yeah. This the possum that me and Kent encountered was a Skeksy kind yeah. of thing. This was more like a cuddly possum that might you find in a stuffed animal form. This one was cute, but it still could have given you a possum face. Yeah. I just could've. picture it attacking my face. Yeah, I'm sure Tony Anita Hall is possum dreaming face. of that. Have you been dreaming yeah. about that since it happened? Tony uh, Anita yeah. Hall? Tony. Yes, she's Tony been, has a she's long literally been having history nightmares. of possum face. We're just we're just re-traumatizing her right. Yeah, now. exactly. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> well, um Paula, we're, over the last couple weeks I want to change the subject. We both dodged the polar vortex. Uh, the polar vortex was here on Miranda Street tonight. Did were you it's, outside it, at it, all? It's chilly on Miranda Street. It's so cold. No, it's like fifty degrees. No, I <laughs> I burrowed inside one of the mattresses. Really? Yeah, I huddled really... up with a family of possums. <laughs> it's really cold. <laughs> there are mattresses tonight, and there's a, there's a window on Miranda Street tonight. I suckled warm milk from a possum on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's maybe that's, that's maybe that's why it's in your face. Yeah, <laughs> you really risk possum face when you suckle warm milk yeah. from a kids. If you're out there, <laughs> fly straight, fly right, and don't suckle possums. Yeah, don't suckle warm milk from the possums. <laughs> Teat, um, there's been said. No, but um, you were you, you and I were both in the Midwest during the polar vortex. I was in uh, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, um, during the polar vortex, and I happened to be sitting backstage. I was staring at my flat thing. I'm not proud of that, but I was looking at Twitter, and on the Twitter feed comes this uh, uh, like a, a blurb about that the governor of Kentucky had said that. Because they closed the schools, right? Um, because of the, uh, it was so cold, uh, the governor Kentucky said that they were uh, soft. Kids have gone soft. Yeah, kids have gone soft. And as I'm sitting there reading, like I knew I was in Louisville, um, but I sort of forgot where Louisville was. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I think I'm in Kentucky. And I was so excited when I got to go on and talk to the voters. Oh, because you love to talk to people about things that are happening in their place right now. Yes, and you yes. just and they apparently that by the they news. apparently had a joyful. Imagine having a governor that calls like his constituents soft. Soft because they don't want their children to freeze. Yeah, they said that there were, I don't know if it was this way in Louisville, but that there, was, there were parts of the country where if you're outside for more than a few few minutes, yeah. um, you would get frostbite. Well, I got to Chicago, you know, for a wait, wait, don't tell me uh, during the vortex. And I got there maybe... Mid-vortex? Mid-vortex. Now, I got yeah. there maybe like five or six hours after it was negative 24 degrees. Wow. But um, it had, the, the vortex had lifted or devorticized. Uh -huh. And um, uh, so by the time I got there, it was five negative five. Yeah. And you still were still cold? cold? Enough, still cold enough, yes. Still cold enough. That, like, I literally walked out of the subway. Within a half a block, my nose was running. And uh, not to be too graphic about it, but the, the, the snot in my mustache... Froze. Oh, that's a nice look. That's pretty graphic, though. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a bad look. Yeah. 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 yeah that, <laughs> and and so the date went how? Uh, it wasn't a date. I was oh. there for wait. Well, don't tell oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it had been. I think they said it was in the negatives before I arrived in Louisville, and then when I got there, it was uh, twenty degrees, and so I am a 
uh, warming, warming trend. You're a warming trend. I am. Absolutely. I am not, because as, as you know, my, my mustache froze. Um, but I, I, I did dress in layers because I don't have any winter clothes. Hey, what you use for the first layer? It's, I know I told you this story. Yes, I wore a Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone t-shirt. Wow. Garnered from the Max Fun Store, maxfunstore.com. Um, and it was a good bottom layer. So you had the confidence of knowing that several layers down, you had on a good-looking shirt. A very attractive shirt that touts a popular and growing new podcast. There you go. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And even though I couldn't see it, I was aware that on the back of my shirt, there was an amusing quotation from Paula Poundstone. Yeah. It just makes a person feel confident. It did. It gave me the confidence that. to do that. Wait, wait, don't tell me. And might I add, win. Yeah. Oh, did you win? I win. I won in a Paula Poundstone. So if you want to win at Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, you yeah. might consider buying a Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone t-shirt. I'm going to have to do that because I never win. You've won a couple of times. Uh, but I think I was there the first yes, time Yes, but I've been there for 17 years. Yes. <laughs> So. I think I was there for your first victory, and I know I was there on a notable occasion when you got zero right. Did I want to get zero right? I think you're one of the right? only people. I think it might, might have been in Hawaii. I got zero right in Hawaii? I, I, I might be conflating two uh, maybe different I was, occasions. Maybe I was more than laid back. Yeah, that was uh, one of the first times we hung out was in Honolulu I way back when. I totally forgot about that, and yet I still have the grass skirt in the closet. Hold on. Do you really? Uh, yeah. Everybody at that show was impressed. That hula dance you did made for great radio. Yeah. <laughs> What else? What else do we have? I think we're ready to get to our guests and I'm, stuff, right? I'm ready to. All right. All right. I'm well, ready to go. We're back here in Los Angeles, snug, laughing at the cold. And coming up, Dr. Irving Biederman will explain facial recognition, and Kelly Dormandy will help tune up our bodies. Although, if I were any buffer, Paula would no longer recognize my face. Covered with muscles, it would be. Much more to come after this on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Okay, we're back. Hey, Paula, I know you uh, work out with a trainer. I do. This is something you do. Yeah. And I, you suspect that your trainer is not always looking out for your best interest. I don't think he is. <laughs> if he gets a phone call, I end up planking longer. Right. Yeah. Right. He, just, he's done it to you a lot, yeah, right? Because he also has that Apple Watch you were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. When he was, uh, when he was on the phone with Verizon, um, I did over a thousand sit-ups. Really? Because he was on hold? Yeah. <laughs> You'd think he would just listen to the whole music. And, oh, well. Uh, well, and questions have been coming up in your life that you've been asking me randomly about exercise. And um, we thought that we could maybe uh, we maybe address a few of them. For instance, like uh, your ability to hold a plank versus Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's planking time. Yeah, well, before she got sick, I don't know about now. Okay. But before this last bout of cancer. Yes. And uh, she, um, yeah, she's kicked cancer's ass, I believe, three times right. now. Right, and she's 115 years old. Um, yeah, and a genius. But um, she could plank for 30 seconds. Right, which was longer than you could when you started training. Yeah, yeah. And, and so she, like, one of your questions was, is that just because she weighs seven and a half pounds or, yeah. is, it, or is it just because she's stronger than you yeah that is one of my questions that's one of the questions yes yeah. so yeah. we have with us well to get to the core of your fitness questions as it were please welcome the assistant athletic director for strength and conditioning at loyola marymount university and the head coach for strength and conditioning for the los angeles sparks it's the same person kelly dormandy hey, kelly hey paula you know Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our 
class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so co- it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. Quinn sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. 
plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Thank you so much for coming. Yes, and thank you, House Band Dave Fortin. That is, that is, those are some hot licks. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me. So, um, what? Let's get to immediately some of your questions. Like, okay. You sorry. In the begin, my warm up is five. You know, suicides running back and forth, um, uh, one hundred twenty-five rope jumps and and twenty-five uh, jumping jacks. Sometimes you know, there's more after that. But frankly, I'm exhausted after that. Why do you have to warm up to begin with? Why isn't that counted as the actual exercise? Uh, the warm up counts as part of your exercise. Um, at least in our world, the warm-ups are trying to get the body temperature up, priming the muscles that you're going to use for your training session. Uh -huh. You want to sweat a little bit and get the blood flow going before you actually task your body, whatever it is that you're asking it to do. Now, why, why do you that? need to do that? So you don't hurt yourself. So you don't pull a hamstring or um, overtax yourself too quickly, too soon before you're warm enough to do whatever it is your trainer is going to ask you to do. Uh-huh. Um, and, and that's what would happen if you weren't... Potentially, depending on what it is, the task that you're being asked to do, uh -huh. going out and running a marathon or running an all-out sprint or playing a professional basketball game is one thing, but depends what it is, the intensity and the nature of the exercise you're going to do. Uh-huh. 
So I'm not likely to um, pull a muscle doing jumping jacks. Hopefully not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, the idea is, I guess, that you do you do less high intense exercises to get yeah. warmed up, and then well, you, then be, you can really do the rough stuff. It would be just like me to pull a muscle doing the doing the warm up, doing the do, doing the rope jumps or the jumping jacks or the running back and forth. I would guess that warm up injuries are very uncommon. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, unless otherwise you're probably not warming up correctly if you are getting hurt in your warm up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not, I didn't, I've never gotten hurt from it. Just exhausted. Like I have no stamina. What can I do to work on my stamina? Going in for more what we call aerobic and slow duration or sorry, long duration, but slow intensity and lower intensity exercise. So you said you started with suicides. Yeah. So what exactly? So when I think it's of just a suicide. running back. Well, okay. when she I think eats of suicide. five double stuffed Oreos. People offing themselves. But... Uh, um, <laughs> That's the slow uh, suicide I see her commit every week. <laughs> uh, no, just running back and you know, just, run one end, touch the mat, run back the other end, touch the mat. It's not. So on an it's R- a small gym, so it's not that big. On an RP scale of ten being the hardest thing you've ever done, how would you rank it on a scale of one to ten? Oh, uh, two. Uh, that part is not hard. <laughs> so that's a, that's a good warm up. But yet you're exhausted at the end of it. Yeah, well I am. I have zero endurance. <laughs> no, I'm not exhausted after I do the suicide. I'm exhausted after I do the um, jumping well, jacks. The, no, the uh, the uh, the rope jumps. I sometimes don't make it all the way through. He'll, um, because it's a difficult task for you to get 125 revolutions without stopping? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I do sometimes stop before I'm done. And he'll say, why are you stopping? And I say, because I couldn't go on any longer. It's <laughs> a good answer, right? Yeah, that's what I think. Because I didn't tell you to stop. I go, I know. I and couldn't go on. Clearly, you get winded, right? That's the thing. It's not yeah. that your legs are hurting. You're winded. Oh, no, I'm not hurting. I'm okay. just, yeah. Just, so is it important to get winded for exercise to be effective? Yes and no. I think it depends on the what it is you're trying to do and what your goals are. So when you talk about a professional athlete and the intensity at which they play at, they're going to absolutely get winded throughout their training in order to prepare themselves for the sport and the nature of their task. Uh-huh. But if it's somebody who's coming to me who's just beginning mm-hmm. and looking to just start moving and do the basics and maybe lose some weight, mm-hmm. well, then I'm going to ask them to do something entirely different. Like and what, what are you going to ask them to do? I'm, I'm going to tell him to get he out and move. as a man who's start, hoping to just lose walk, some weight. Just start walking, moving, oh. get out, get You live in L.A. Not right now. It's a little cold, but start right, hiking, go, go down to the beach, do things you like to do uh-huh. um, instead of doing things that you're forced to do that you don't like. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't mind the workout. I just wish I had more sustenance. All right, like, here's the thing. Um, one of the things is that he has these little weights, and um, I use them just like bending at the elbow. And, You're doing curls. You're doing bicep curls. Is bicep that what they are? Yeah. Uh, bicep curls, sure. Uh, and <laughs> I think I used to do it with, like, five-pound weights or eight-pound weights or something like that. And it was, you know, it's doable. And then the other day, there were 15-pound weights. And you're wondering and why. And I'm, like, staggering beneath them. And why does it, why, why would that burn more fat than the other? When you build muscle, you burn fat. Muscle burns fat. So when you build muscle, sorry, I wasn't building muscle when I was doing it without as heavy weights. We got to increase. You, you got to keep increasing because yeah. your muscle keeps getting stronger. You are to a degree, but you have to elicit more change over time. So if my body gets used to and adapted to doing the same thing, it's not going to make a change. So if I'm always doing body weight or I'm always using five pounds, there's uh-huh. going to come a point in time where that's no longer taxing really? my system. And so you could just do that every day and it wouldn't do anything at all because your body sees it coming. 
Uh, it's going to do something to a degree, but you're going to get to a point where you're not going to necessarily see change anymore. Uh-huh. And so if you want to take it one step further oh, and I see even more saying. change, well, more then you're going to have to alter up your regime to do something different to elicit the change. Uh-huh. And adding more weight is one of those things. Right? If indeed you wanted to get stronger and then increase your muscle mass, which in turn will reduce your body fat. Well, look, somebody's got to do. defend us from those possums, yeah. and it's not going to be Tony Anita Hall. <laughs> yeah, I do. It's exactly what I want to do. Um, so, all right. Now, let's talk about your trainer. Yeah. And his, and his uh, eye watch. That's yeah, my trainer watch. has a... Um, my trainer, uh, I think, has a little addiction problem with um, screen devices. Okay. Now, and so hurt? he, he yeah. just leaves me doing an exercise if he gets like a phone call or uh, if he's texting on his thing. Uh, it took me a while to figure it out, but I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't think this has anything to do with the actual exercise. Um, so I guess the important question is, is there any harm in that? Like, like if he leaves Paula doing sit-ups while he's working things out with Bank of America, um, is that bad? Sit-ups necessarily may not be as concerned with, but if he has you on a treadmill at top end speed and walks away and you fly off the back, I might be a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny, though. <laughs> we can so all getting, enjoy it, that. Getting a little more aerobic exercise isn't really a terrible thing. He, he, not at all. Okay, so he can he can talk on the phone. Oh yeah. <laughs> Every now and then, if I am on the treadmill thing, it's not a tr- it's not a treadmill. It's a this steppy thingy. Stairmaster. Um, I don't know. Is that what it is? The steppy thingy and the arm things move. Elliptical. It's an elliptical. Uh, yeah. Does that? By the way, I heard that that doesn't do any good at all. Does that do anything? It, it all can do do good. It's just a matter of how you use it. Do you yeah. like the ellipticals, or do you recommend other things? What do you mean, how you use it? Well, if you well, get on there, there you're going for a walk. It? Well, yeah, but if the intensity of what you do it. If I go yeah. in there, and for me personally, uh-huh. I'm going in and trying to make the most of my 30 minutes. So uh-huh. by the end of it, I want to be drenched. I want to be sweating. I want my heart rate to reach up close to my max, so that I can elicit change. Um, and you seem like such a nice person. <laughs> I'll just hey. not nice about that. Yes. <laughs> um, you just don't want to train I, with her now. All before Christmas, there were those ads for the Peloton bikes, and you know where they do it with a screen, mm-hmm. and there's someone. Is it isn't that the idea that it's like somehow customized to the person? I do not know what a Peloton bike is. Have you seen those ads? Do you I know what that is? I believe what it can, you can tune into certain sessions and they'll train you through it like you're in a spin class. Yeah. So they'll oh. talk to you and motivate you. Yeah. It's like a virtual spin class. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would like to make one of those where I'm just sitting in a chair eating Doritos <laughs> and counseling other people to yeah, do the same. Yeah, and I say to the person, no, I say to the person, yeah, get moving. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Keep bumping. Be with you in a minute. It's <laughs> kind of like what your trainer yeah. does to you. That's what my trainer does. He'll he'll every now and then he'll like stick his head out of the window of his office and he'll go uh, go faster. He has no idea how fast I was going to begin with. Just go faster. But I, that's not necessarily terrible advice, right? It's trying to motivate you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure it's working. Okay. Um, yeah. It doesn't sound no, like it. No, actually, I love working out with this guy. It, it, it is fun. Okay. But I just wondered why like, you had to be miserable in order for it to actually do anything to your body. Well, some people like the misery, though. Oh, do you yeah. like the misery? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the statement. Do, do you give that misery to others? Uh, talk the, about training the, 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 the Los Angeles Sparks, because I love going to Sparks games, and I noticed you wore the 2016 championship ring. We're going to take a picture of that and put it on, on the website, because it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's great. So do you torture the team? What do you do with them? Um, I do... At times of need, I would say I torture my college kids more than my pros. Oh, really? Yes. Because I see them in the off-season a lot more. So my pros, I see predominantly in-season. So 
I'm trying to maintain their strength and make sure they stay healthy so that they can last the duration of the season and, and get to the playoffs and win a championship. Right. So you have to be careful how you approach training with an athlete. Because you don't want to you don't want to injure them. Don't want to injure them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We so don't it's all warm them. up. It's nothing but warm up. Yeah. Not always. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Just, Before the game, it's warm up. But it's just the five pound weights. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's somewhat. <laughs> somewhat. A uh, little bit more than that. Weights. Yeah. Well, you know, we we could. We could at some point get you a workout with the L.A. Sparks, I'm sure, because that would be some, for some LA great Sparks don't make video. Want me working out with them? I would I'm be sure a, we could. I would be a distraction. I, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. But I bet. Is there any way we could get her into the gym? I'll someday? work out. Yes. <laughs> I would love to see that. Our <laughs> listeners would love to see that. Well, we how get... could listeners see it? Well, well, there's there's this invention called the internet. Oh, and, and, and we right, can post listen. a right. video. I, yeah. Well, that I would go do. I, I, I'm that gonna, would be fun. I, I love that idea. I'd love to make it happen. Are, are the training sessions like whole team at a time, or it's individual? What do you What do you do? In the college world, it's more often whole team at a time. Uh-huh. In the pro world, it's more one on one basis or small groups. Okay. Now tell me. You say you you only do during the season for the Sparks. Mm-hmm. Do some of the players show up at the beginning of the season not in the shape that you want them to be in? I mean, like, I, I'm sure most of them are pretty responsible and maintain their fitness throughout the year. But do you ever have that one player where you're like, wow, yeah. this is not going to be just maintenance. So, this is Somebody be- comes in looking like a lazy boy recliner <laughs> and you rise. <laughs> they you they rise. know to come ready because the season starts right away. And you're okay. starting with the two-pound weights with them. The two-pound weights. <laughs> <laughs> or... The higher the twenty pound in the weight vest for those players, oh, so that I can make up. Vest, for, yeah, so I can vest? make up for the fact that they haven't been training. Oh yeah, I see. Yeah. So that yeah. does happen. Rarely, but the players are the players are very good. Okay, because yeah. we have to start playing right away. Yeah, and, and they want and, and they want to get on the court and they want to play. And they're into this. Yes, yeah, this is something that they want. My trainer will remind me to en- engage my core. Yeah. What does that mean, even? So there's a difference between abs and core. Oh, boy. That, that's there? something we civilians don't know yeah. about. See, we I really think I've been engaging it. my abs when he says engage my core. Right. And I sent my core out. I haven't gotten it back from the shop yet. Yeah. <laughs> there's no shame in that. So when I think of abs, I think of burning. Almost kind of like P90X. Lots of repetitions. Feeling the burn. Uh-huh. Right. Core, from a performance standpoint, is bracing and connecting hips and shoulders so that our athletes can move efficiently and effectively and reduce their risk for injury. So planks, side planks, glute bridges. If your core is... Glute set, bridges? Yeah. What's a glute bridge? You're laying on your back. Picture knees are bent at 90 degrees. Heels are down. Toes are up. You're going to drive through your heels and lift your butt up until your torso and your thighs are in a straight line. Can you picture that? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. I can picture yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did that when I went, after I hurt my back. That was one of the exercises. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. After I had my back surgery, that was an exercise I had to learn how to do. They didn't tell me it was a glute bridge. Um, did you ever see that movie, Glute Bridge Over River Kwai? <laughs> it's, it's really good. That would be a good one. That's, yeah, it's yes. really good. It's, Back of the video store, yeah. as it were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so you're saying that the, that the core is, although it's in the same place as the abs, mm-hmm. when you're talking about abs, you're talking about the, the six-pack. And when you're talking about the core, you're talking about the connection that keeps you healthy. Support, yes, and supporting the spine and the pelvis. Supporting the spine and the pelvis? Yep. Well, wait a minute. Isn't the pelvis below the spine? Who's yeah, but- supporting it? <laughs> when you're bracing your core, so think trunk, so yeah. from shoulders all the way through hips and your glutes. That's yeah. your core. Okay. And then you have your extremities. So if your core is solid, then your extremities are moving the manner that you want them to oh. efficiently and effectively. Uh-huh. Whereas if not, think of the analogy I would give is Gumby. The athlete that moves like Gumby is the athlete that's far more likely to get injured. 
because they can't brace and control themselves when they stop and change direction or jump up and grab a rebound and land. Like the guy, okay, you know the guy that's outside a lot of... Um, Oh, uh, you're gonna those? bring up you're gonna bring up those those wavy arms. That's exactly things. what I'm gonna bring I up. I knew you were. Oh, right. yeah. I can't. You know the tire stores and yep. the, yeah the the inflatable guy that yeah. flails. Yeah. You don't want all you don't want all that going on. Yeah, you don't want that yeah. going on. No. That guy's not engaging his core. Not Is en- that correct? Exactly. Because yeah, not engaging his core. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Next time I drive by one of those, I don't care what time it is in the morning. I'm shouting out, "Engage your core!" <laughs> right. It's not gonna work. Yeah. Because <laughs> his core is arguably made of fabric and wind. He doesn't know that. Yeah, he doesn't. He should work harder. You're absolutely right. Um, so you, you've actually seen that happen. When you watch a basketball game, you can tell which players are more likely to get injured just by the way they move? To some degree, yes. Yes. Wow. Huh. You saw me walk in. Am I okay? Am I going to be... You're ready to go. Let's suit up. Okay. <laughs> so when you're watching a basketball game, you're like, okay, number two is going down. I, I Well, obviously, I watch the game because I enjoy the game, but when yeah. I'm watching my players in practice, I'm watching how they're moving. Uh-huh. And so when somebody can... falls, do you go, told you so? <laughs> Depending on how they fall, maybe. <laughs> oh, do you help them fall, or is that a completely different... you got to fall gracefully, right? And not yeah, get hurt. Well, well yeah. You're I, gonna, I... I mean, you're going to be on the floor. You're going to fall at certain points in time. Yeah. But the whole point is, through our training, can we put the athlete in a position to be less likely to get hurt when those incidents come up in sport? Because yeah. it's so unpredictable. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I learned to fall in my in my hacking training. <laughs> well, stage combat. Fall. Yeah. yeah, falling is important. You got to yeah. learn how to fall it's been right. Really helpful here in the studio. Well, I, I don't do as much physical comedy now that I podcast. Yeah, but but no, I haven't learned. You know, I've seen you fall. It's fantastic. It's great. I'm um, very good at it. Oh my god! I, I actually that reminds me of something. I I love high top sneakers. And uh, I was going to get some before my last ping pong tournament. And then I decided, <laughs> because I'm worried about my ankles turning. But then I decided not to because they were made of leather and I felt bad about that. And then I almost got some canvas ones. And I thought, well, how does that help? Don't how, expect this story to go anywhere. How could <laughs> canvas <laughs> canvas high tops actually support the ankles, do you think? Uh, chucks. This might chucks, be a little I, out well, of your... Actually, chucks are a great... I have chucks on. Chucks are a great squatting shoe. You do a great squatting yeah, shoe. For, yeah, they have great basic for squatters. For doing like squats. so, if you're gonna go into somebody's house and not move when they ask no, no, you no, to, squatting no, like squatting with, with like your with, legs. A ball, with your oh. legs. Yeah, a great squatting shoes. Yeah, a great Ooh. shoe to wear when you squat. Well, do you change shoes in order to squat? That seems odd. Yes, we do. actually we do. <laughs> Lifter, lifters do. Yes, lifters change. Yes. We have different wow. shoes that we'll we'll use for like Olympic weightlifting that'll have what's called like a heel lift, so it puts your Position, it gives you more dorsiflexion or ankle mobility to be able to put yourself in the position to do it correctly while keeping a neutral spine, which probably means nothing to you, but it helps. No. <laughs> it means a little something to me. Yeah, yeah, You're no. giving me a look like no. I have no clue. When you, as soon as you said neutral spine, it all came together for okay, me. Good. All right, it okay, good. But no, I'm, My I'm, spine I'm, is not neutral. My <laughs> spine is a goddamn Democrat. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> My spine is against the wall. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> um, amazing, because your glutes are Republican. No, they are not. I, if, that's why I don't. That's you why talk I, to them a little more. Paula. That's why I don't engage. <laughs> they to, um, they're not Trump Republicans, but they're Republicans. Okay. Um, oh, how are we going to be this next year? Oh, we're going to be fantastic. Right. Get oh. your tickets. I should get my tickets. Mm-hmm. I, I was telling Kelly before too that I had these friends who had L.A. Sparks season tickets and yeah. great ones, six rows behind the Sparks bench. They were great. So I would go to the games all the time, and then 
my friend stopped buying the season tickets. So I stopped going to Sparks games. Not not really a friend, if you ask me. Yeah, I know. Were you close enough that you could tell if they were engaging their core? They, they You know, this was before Kelly's time with the team, because you've been there for how long? Four years. Four years. This was more like five to eight years ago. Um, they were... They needed Kelly. Their core was not engaged. You know, there wasn't always this science to exercise the way there is now, right? Yeah. Uh, now there's like a lot of physics and, you know, there's just stuff that people know because of science. Like, would it be um, a, uh, w- okay, would it be an inspirational, if I did go to a Sparks game soon and I were to shout out, engage your core, would that mean something to the women playing? <laughs> to me it would and I could relay the message to them it would be a weird thing to yell at a game I think yeah, you, you think? yeah, yeah. I, would, I would yell it when the other team is taking free throws because it would be distracting Yeah, it would be a weird enough thing to yell that yeah. like, like you might manage to make them miss a free throw tighten your abs Right. support your spine <laughs> Yeah, yeah. These are these are the kind of things that you shout at them, right? Absolutely, in the yeah. weight room. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, I do shout taunts at, at sporting events to the other at the other team. You shout taunts? Taunts, but my taunts are. I just try to like take them out of what they're thinking. Like like uh-huh. if somebody's taking a free throw and it's the other team, I'll yell something like, "You got a phone call, <laughs> Trevor. You've got a phone call. I think it's your mom." <laughs> and nowadays that would work. Yeah. 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 A, a text. You have a text. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kelly Dormandy, thank you for getting us to lift the dead weight out of our lives and our bodies. Paula, based on what you've been told, what advice can you give our listeners about strength and conditioning? Dave Fortin, could I have some background music for exercise science? Nice. Chucks or canvas high tops are good shoes for squatting, but when you stand up, you have to change your shoes. Your abs are the muscles beneath your ribcage. I'm not sure what shoes you wear to strengthen them. Your core is the connection of the hips and shoulders to support the spine. Strengthening your core can be done by lying on your back with your knees up and feet on the floor and pushing your pelvis up so you're flat. It's best done in spiked heels. You warm up to get your blood flowing so you don't pull a muscle. Now, if you get injured while you warm up, don't expect a lot of sympathy from the governor of Kentucky. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, Kelly Dormady, as Assistant Athletics Director for Strength and Conditioning at Loyola Marymount University and the Head Coach for Strength and Conditioning for the Los Angeles Sparks. Thank you so much for being on our show, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. When we come back, we'll find out why our brains are good at telling people apart. Thanks to Dr. Irving Biederman, who I do not recognize. That's coming up on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. The cat of the week is Millie from Manchester, New Hampshire. Thank you, Dave Fortin. Paula, um, you're braving the polar vortex again and heading out into the cold, I understand. I am! Uh, On March 2nd, I'll be in New Haven, Connecticut at the Schubert Theater, and March 8th, I'm in Rochester, New York at the Huckstein Performance Hall. That's a great... I love Rochester, New York, and is is the Huckstein uh, a a performance hall that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me played? 
I can't remember. I can't remember, but I, we were there I together, know. I think. I'm having a lot of memory problems, Adam. Uh, yes. Also, your book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, which I understand you don't remember the title of. Yeah. Did I write that? Yeah, you did. Um, it's now out in paperback, and it's available for download as an audiobook, also read by Paula Poundstone, I'm reading here. I read that. You know, I'll tell you, I'm glad I did that, because for a while, what I was doing was just riding in people's cars, reading aloud to them. That is so inefficient. Logistically, this yeah. has been much better. That's great. And I want to point out to listeners. Um, that if you want to, if you're done reading Paula's book, you can still read mine. Uh, the, the novel Schrodinger's Ball is still available, um, published by Random House, well reviewed and available on Amazon as an ebook or uh, Apple Books and stuff like that. I love that. Yeah. Adam uh, Felber's the name. Um, now, you can find out about that book, upcoming tour dates, and a ton of stuff on the website known as PaulaPoundstone.com. PaulaPoundstone.com. Thank you, House Band Dave Fortin. Paula, um, we've both had moments where we couldn't recognize a face, right? Many times. Many times. Many times. That's a, that's a thing that we have in common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Part of it is I panic when it, when, you know, right. when, you know, I just get panicky. Right. And um, I have a thing. You know, I, think, I, I think I've told you this before. Yeah. Like, uh, I, can't, um, I can't go from 2D to 3D. So when I, and, and you know, I work in the entertainment business. So when I meet somebody famous, there's almost zero chance that I'll know who they are. You knew me right away when you saw me. Right, because I was told, here's Paula Poundstone, Adam. Say hello to her. No, but no, it's, it's, it's true. Um, the worst example I have was in the 90s. I was at this party, and I, started, I was talking to this old dude for like five minutes or more at a buffet. We were joking about shrimp and how to find it at a buffet. Mm -hmm. And I go back to my, my girlfriend and our, my two other friends, my now wife, um, and they said, what were you talking to Paul Newman about all that time? And you had no idea it was Paul Newman? I had zero idea. I remember thinking, wow, those are really blue eyes. So, like, the, the, the fact that he was mixing up salad dressing? He was serving me my salad at the yeah, buffet. Yeah, mean nothing to nothing. you? Nothing. And then uh, and he offered me some popcorn. Nothing. Yeah, and when he kept going, when he kept going, shaking it up here, boss, shaking it up here, boss, nothing? Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Wow. So you no, do no, have a problem. No, but the minute I looked back at him from across the room, and it, it, like, everything popped into focus. And there I am like, looking there at Paul he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I, there was a, a comic... Uh, I assume he's still around. His name is Rich Scheidner. Right. And uh, I, I knew him in the 80s uh, from hanging out at the improv, except for he, I eventually came to think of him when people say, have you guys met before? I would say, for the longest time, I'd go, no. And he'd go, yeah, we met. Oh. And this happened like several times before right. finally in my head, he became, oh, the guy who I can never remember. Oh. And uh, that's uh, so, Rich Scheidner. But I now think you know his name. How do you know his name now? Uh, I, because I used this method, this- uh, <laughs> The guy I never remember my, is guy, Rich Schneiderman. Yeah. Schneiderman? No, Rich Scheidner. Scheidner. Yeah. He's still a comic? I have no idea. I assume all right. so. All right. Well, uh, Rich, if you're out there, um, Paula's sorry she didn't recognize you all those times. So there exactly. Might be because I have a thing. Yeah. I have a thing going a on. a thing, and we're going to find out if you have a thing or if there is a such thing as a thing with that. And all about the mechanics of facial recognition, here we have Professor of Neuroscience, Psychology, and Computer Science at USC and Director of the Image Understanding Laboratory there at USC, Dr. Irving Biederman. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Dr. Biederman, Biederman for welcome. being here. So what is facial recognition? Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Sorry, well, we, I should have given you time for your intro <laughs> and your opening statements. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to count against right, your time. Right, okay. yeah. uh, so what is face recognition? Uh, 
the way most people understand it and the way scientists understand it as well is that when you look at a person's face, yeah. you're able to activate some representation of that person uh, in memory, something uh -huh. that you've learned about them. Or, and this is the most impressive act of face recognition, you know you don't know that person. Uh, that that might be incorrect, but you come up empty-handed. That means you've gone through the thousands, and we've estimated how many faces the average person might know. Oh wow! Uh, uh, and and what is it? Uh, well, for well-connected twenty-year-old, uh, socially well-connected twenty-year-old, uh, it's in the order between oh, about three and five thousand. Wow! Faces that just instantly, their brain will say, "I know this person." Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, and how, and how about for uh, for a well-connected gentleman of uh, in about the age of fifty? About the same. Oh, about, about the same. The same. Okay. Huh. Um, so you don't meet a lot well, more actually, people, you, and then you might have a, a bit more because you've encountered more people. Right. Uh, in, the, in thirty years. Though one of the things that the twenty-year-olds have uh, over us is they're on Facebook all the time. Okay. Right. Or, or they, and, and Does that help media. them recognize? Oh yeah. I yeah I would think that only they could recognize what someone else ate. Or someone else in a bathing suit. Well, I would there are think faces that... on Facebook. Well, we've, we've actually tested it. So, yeah, not just so, meals. So some of these students, let's say at USC, have hundreds of Facebook friends. Yeah. And we've tested them as to whether they could recognize their faces uh -huh. and individuate them. And the answer appears to be yes, uh -huh. to a very large uh, percent. Uh, we uh, have found one thing that is not evil about Facebook. That's cool. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, everything else is evil about Facebook. No, there's a couple of things um, I like. You know, I'm... It's, it's a vital grandchild picture delivery device in, in families. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that makes up for what Vladimir has done. <laughs> sure does. Sure does. We'll think about that when mushroom clouds start rising. Yeah, <laughs> At exactly. Granny got her pictures yeah. of her infant. Yes, thank um, goodness. So, so I guess Paula and I, are the things that we have, is that a thing? Yes. Uh, okay. So, uh, of all the perceptual differences amongst people, the one where we see the most variability, or I'll put it this way, we see very little variability in the recognition of objects or scenes. So, when they edit movies here in Hollywood, uh, they only have one person in the editing room, typically the film editor. Right. And if it works for her, it works for people all over the planet. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, for faces, we see quite large individual differences. Okay. Uh, most people appear not to have much of a problem. That is, if they're familiar with the person, they'll be able to recognize them. Though, even given the average, what we think of as an average range of people, uh, there are differences that we could pick up with careful testing in the laboratory. Usually, the brighter people are uh, are the more sensitive they are to whatever deficits they have. Okay. So that you and Paula uh, might feel you're not quite uh, completely proficient in face recognition is actually saying something positive about you. That we're oh, aware is. that we're not good at it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so what, what about Paula and this uh, uh, Rick Scheidner name? Rick, uh, so Adam's not good with names either. Rick Scheidner. <laughs> okay. Well, he has a name thing. I was really surprised about that because I looked him up on the, on the web mm -hmm. and he is quite distinctive, and certainly he's quite distinctive for a stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. He's tall, he's tall, slender, yeah. and very good-looking. And he yeah. has no nose. I didn't no, he has a that. nose. Oh, he has yeah, a nose. Yeah, he does. <laughs> okay. Uh, and one would have thought, given the context with which you had encountered him mm -hmm. in, at stand-up clubs, comedy clubs, that he would be a bit different from the usual 
vulnerable comedian type, you know, uh-huh. Danny DeVito or... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, schlumpy. Well, you okay. wanted to use the word schlumpy, and no. you didn't. Uh, spare uh, me, like please. <laughs> vulnerable. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so what is that? So, so I was surprised that uh, that individual didn't uh, uh, didn't stand out. Now, well, indeed, he did after about the... Tenth time I met him. So you could have been using his body, the differences. I wasn't using his body. Yes, you were. <laughs> well, well, uh, just for that yeah. two or three nights. That's but what okay. I remember. Hashtag E2. Yeah. <laughs> Can't tell you what he looked like, but I used his body. So oh, face recognition so is, in fact, much more difficult than people uh, people think. And if you take away easy cues, 90 Nine percent of the time, we're recognizing people. We uh-huh. have a context; they're in a family, they're right. in a class. And so, and we also have easy cues like their hairstyle, their yeah. voice, oh, uh, and yeah. everything else. Yeah. And we use that to the max. Right. Once we abstract that, yeah. Abstract, when someone's not in the environment they're used to seeing them in, is that why I couldn't? I can't see Paul Newman at the, the buffet. Yes, yeah, because he would. Well, actually. If you were serving you shrimp, you you should have guessed it more than if it was serving you lettuce. Only he, he wasn't really serving me shrimp, okay. but we were joking around okay. about okay. the fact that you can always find uh, but, a shrimp. But yes, that's quite, what quite likely you weren't even looking at his face. You were looking at the shrimp or something I was like looking that. Looking right and, in his face, full on the way it appears okay. on the bottle of sauce. Okay, well, then, okay, but that's not but, an accurate drawing but, on a sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's certainly out of context. And okay, so maybe that's maybe that's what it is. You take him out of context. Uh, yeah, then it's much much more difficult. Okay. Now, I want to go back to Rich Scheidner for a minute now. Now, after Paula failed to recognize him many times, Mm -hmm. to an embarrassing degree, she then started to recognize him as the guy whose name she didn't know. What I want to ask you, Dr. Biederman, is that a separate thing, name to face? Because I think a lot of people have that problem, and I feel like it's got to be a different part of your brain. That is a gigantic problem, and it's the biggest. If you take people in the lab and ask them to name a uh, the celebrities you show them celebrities that yeah. they're very f- familiar with yeah they will block yeah uh, and like you showed me a picture of matthew what's his McConaughey. name McConaughey. McConaughey yeah we who, both did a test who was before. great in dallas buyers club but it's just painful in those lincoln commercials and your point is uh He's painful in those Lincoln commercials. Yeah. Not really a question for you, Doc. Yeah. No. Yeah, but he is. <laughs> so Paul did want to get that out there. I, okay. I, but I recognize him, but I couldn't remember his so whole name. why we block on a name, which is very different from a why we may not recognize a face or why mm-hmm. some people have great trouble in recognizing any face. Uh, uh, names are the, the one label that we have, the one kind of verbal uh, content that we have, where we only have one route to get to those words. So if I was to ask you the, who's the prime minister of the UK now? Right. You might block. I did. Okay. I got Theresa May. Right. Okay. Well, one out of two, 50% for the program is pretty good. Okay. Yeah, between us. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he's here every show. So so the the reason is why there's only one way to get to that a name. And you use it only once. When you say one way, you mean in the brain? Uh, In terms of the way we... Think about memory. So you have to have uh, that name, Theresa May. You'll only use it in the context of that's the prime minister of of the UK. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the only uh, way to it, right? Or the unless only context you will use it, right? On the unless other hand, you happen to play mahjong like, with her, uh, uh, cars or, or or pop cans or 
or chairs. We're using those all the time. Many different routes. Lots of contexts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I and, see. And uh -huh. they have a very high frequency uh, of, and of lots of contexts with which we will uh, maybe verbalize them or think about them. Uh, but there's only one way to get to a name. For uh, example. So, so face to name, that's just... You either got it or you don't. There's a single link to get okay, there. If I somebody see. says to me, hand me a soda, I know what a soda is right away. And but if somebody, if somebody you, says to me, Theresa May, I might have to go, wait, who is she again? Right. right. Guys. And Paul, hand me to Theresa May. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> couldn't do it. I couldn't even do it. A diet or regular? Diet, Theresa May. Dr. Biederman, you administered a test to both me and Paula um, be, before we started uh, uh, this interview. It was quite painful um i didn't think the spikes were necessary but um yeah. but, the, but it, i got it, an electrical charge when i came up with the name matthew yeah uh, i no, couldn't but, think of mcconaughey but it was it was a, a fairly simple test and a fascinating test on like how good we are at recognizing um faces and connecting them to names and stuff like that how'd we do okay Okay. Yeah. Why? Jeez, uh, that was like fifty percent again. So like I did well news. in college. So you yeah. were a yeah. bit yeah. slow. So on a test that most people find very easy, it's called a doppelganger test. Where uh -huh. you you see a pair of faces, one not famous, the other famous, and you simply have to say who's famous. That gets around this problem of being able to name oh, the blocking on the name. Oh, I that's see what you're saying. That's why we do that. Oh, and uh -huh. I was slow on it. Uh, you were, yeah, that you took some time. Yeah. And Paula was too. Again, so yeah. kind of. Yeah. We, I just we, didn't want to make Adam feel bad. I okay. don't think so. You just yeah. stared at that for yeah. a long time, the Angelina Jolie one. You just. Uh... Well, because I had a moral issue, which is I had already heard you say Angelina excuses, Jolie. Oh. Excuses. <laughs> okay, okay. And, uh, oh, oh, right. Uh, high I did, honesty question. I didn't want to right. cheat. High honesty. Yeah, I didn't okay. want to. And, and how did we do cheat. any other aspects of the test? Like the. Uh, Again, okay, uh, we'd have to uh, get people about your age, so there is some... Decline. Oh, you know what? Can I just say one quick thing? Fuck you! <laughs> Wait, what? He's not calling you old. <laughs> no, I believe he was. No. Get people about my age? Well, where are you going to find them? Well, uh, once you They're in get... homes all over the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, what do you mean? So you'd have to find... So the age being a factor, it yes. wouldn't be a fair comparison. So, particularly, you could be a little slower naming things that are coming up yeah. compared to, let's say, a 20 year old or something like yeah. that. Okay, cool. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're very fast with the brains and stuff. So, when someone can't recognize faces, and, and Adam and me, we, we, we weren't great at it, but you think that's because we're elderly. So, no, uh, no, 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 no. When someone can't do it and it's really a thing, like a disability, like what is Face what, blindness. Yeah, what is that? Well, 2% of the population are, are what's called prosopagnosic, which is the scientific or technical term for face blindness. Prosopagnosic. Prosopagnosic. He was a comedian that Paula used to work with. No, you know, the prosopagnosics uh, have, uh, would have a support group, but they can't recognize one another uh, you together. You know, supposes the prosopagnosic. <laughs> they do have a support group. Do they really? On Facebook, there's the prosopagnosic group. I joined it not because I'm prosopagnosic, but... You're spying on them. Uh, well, because Vlad asked you to. One wants to tr try to understand, and yes. the closer you get, well, what might seem like a, a minor problem. No, I'm sure it's a big problem. Uh, to them, you, you, at the end of the day, 
a number of them just talk about how exhausted they are. And this is what they're avoiding. They're avoiding the social embarrassment. When they go to the supermarket or at a business meeting, Mm -hmm. they're at the meeting around the table for three hours, they're going the hallway, and they can't recognize any of their faces. Wow, yeah. Just three, uh, for three hours, or it's a neighbor they've known for twenty years, and they don't recognize them. Or That's super stressful. Yeah. Now, yeah. is there a well, they, form of that where you takes you just a lot of a lot of exposures to get somebody's face? So there are some attempts. We're trying to do it to come up with a training me- regimen to mm-hmm. make people better. Uh, uh, oh, it can be. I think it's a really long shot uh-huh. uh, because most of the reasons why people don't have say deficit that support group is it's. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, uh, most of the reasons why people uh, have this deficit is because of genetics. Oh. Uh, they're born that way. Yeah. And the so vast, it's something in the brain. Something in the, the vast amount of people. Uh, 2% of the population have this condition. Uh, overwhelmingly, it's genetic. There are some who get it because of lesions, because of accident or stroke. Uh, uh-huh. and, and there are... A few areas in the brain that are dedicated to do face individuation. That's just that's the only thing that section of the brain does. Yes. Wow. Because it's such a critical problem. We're social animals. Yes. And we need to be able to recognize. We need to be able to individuate others. Well, also Uh, for safety, right? Otherwise, you're just letting any asshole in your house. Well, you can think about it in prehistoric times. In your cave. Yeah. Uh, You're walking in the jungle. You see someone there. And Uh the question is, is he from your tribe or your enemy tribe in the the next cave? Yeah. So Uh, you're like, like, fuck, don't tell me. Hold on. Wait a minute. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Big nose, big nose yeah. huge Oh, feet. you're from the other tribe. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Okay, bent over. Oh, Cro-Magnon. No. Ah. <laughs> it's org. It's org. Uh, is there a part of your brain that makes you unaware when you're making noises? Because I am going to throttle Bonnie Burns. <laughs> <laughs> what were you eating back there, Bonnie? <laughs> Three musketeers. Three musketeers. My, 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 uh, was, that really my, wasn't a question. Bonnie is you. my manager and one of our producers, and she has a problem with crinkling. Okay. Um, I don't know. There's a whole section of the brain that deals with that, and we think it's genetic. Uh, thank goodness she adopted. Um, Three musketeers. Yeah. All right. So, so there's a section of the brain that does. There are a few just sections. One, a few sections. Yeah. The well, vision, higher level vision, by which we recognize scenes that when we're channel sur- surfing in a fraction of a second, we recognize what the scene is or oh, who yeah, the faces okay. are. Yeah. Uh, that runs along the bottom of the brain. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, it starts out at the uh, back part of the brain and, and yeah. uh, called the occipital lobes. And there's an early yeah, part the of that lobes. called yeah. V1 by scientists, the first visual area, and goes all the way to the anterior temporal lobes in the front of the brain. And that's in the posterior part, the back part. That's where we're forming images of the world. Okay. And all the information we need for a face is right there. Mm-hmm. And it turns out in these areas that are a few... Uh, synapses uh, removed, those are where we have these special areas that are dedicated to face processing. Oh, and what wow. they do is take that image directly from the first cortical uh, area and come up with a matching to... So the minute our brain sees that it's a face, that image gets sent to this other area. Yeah, exactly. Where, where all the recognition stuff clicks. Exactly, in. exactly. And there's like a file cabinet in there, is that right? So it's associated uh, with uh, later areas where you have all the knowledge about that person. So uh-huh. you see a, a quick flash of Obama's face. You know, he was president. You know, uh-huh. he was senator from Illinois. You know, he has two daughters and so yeah. on and so forth. And then you just cry because he's not there anymore. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> 
Okay. Jesus. Uh, Goes right to my emotional my part of my brain. No, 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 no. no, no. So that is a joke. For the record, Dr. Biederman is not wearing a MAGA hat. Okay, okay. Uh, so a lesion to those areas will cause people to become prosopagnosic. Uh, there is work tr trying to understand what are the differences for the vast percent of prosopagnosics who are just born that way. And it looks as if uh, the connections in the back face areas uh -huh. to the uh, front parts of the brain where you have all this knowledge are not as efficient. Oh, so they don't have... Well. Right. Interesting. Uh, so, but also they have trouble even distinguishing faces. So that test that you took earlier, trying to match one face on top to two very similar faces on bottom, mm -hmm. that's where they fail. They can literally look at two different faces side by side and not be able to tell the difference. Exactly. That's yeah. fascinating. So do you use lab rats in your testing? Uh... No, oh, not rats. We use other animals. Do they recognize each other? You don't use them. You don't know. No, they, they, they often use, use olfaction. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, they use smell? Yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People are offended if you do that. Now, now <laughs> computer facial recognition yeah. is a is a giant thing right now. Getting machines to Correct. recognize faces like um, Tony Anita Hall's iPhone recognizes her face. Mm -hmm. And you, I understand that your object of facial recognition is something that you've worked on in oh, yes. computers. Is the way that we're training computers to recognize faces like the way our brains recognize faces? Well, the training regimen could be very different. It's actually very different. Okay. But the inspiration, certainly in the first phase of face recognition software that could do that, was completely inspired by how the brain does it. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And, and the model that we use to scale the differences between faces so we could determine in that, for example, that test that you took, we could vary how difficult it was to get a match between the sample face and the two similar faces uh -huh. on the bottom was completely determined by a biological model of the way the brain initially represents images of faces. Uh -huh, uh, yeah. And the early computer vision models were, were done that way. What has changed is the amount of uh, practice or training you give these computer models. So a three-year-old will by and large be able to recognize people around her and, and, uh, and start building up to a few thousand sure. uh, faces. These models now are shown millions of images of faces, and they're all stored with perfect memory. Huh. So, uh, and then it's a question of getting the similarity of a, a new face you have to one of those, let's say, faces in memory. Do you work on such projects? Uh, we work at what would be primarily uh, how people are doing it or how brains are doing it uh -huh. rather than the implementation. Oh, of so the, you don't uh, tell computer people how to do it. Uh, they come to us to try to understand, because we're so good and amazing at it mm -hmm. at, uh, under certain conditions, they come to us to try to understand how are people able to do it. Because uh -huh. uh -huh. it strikes me that something nefarious could come of all this facial recognition stuff. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, yeah. Giving some... the machines the keys to our identities. Yeah, I don't understand exactly. where you... Uh, I, I'm I a little bit worried about that. I, don't, I think we're all completely safe. Yeah, sure. <laughs> We're already there. I mean, they, of course, can recognize uh, people. And now, do computers, we were talking before, you showed us, one of the things you showed us in the test is um, how when you when you rotate your face just 20 degrees, mm -hmm. it completely changes how we can recognize faces. And, and I believe that what you said was that Angelina Jolie turning her face 20 degrees to the side makes her is as Unappealing to Brad. Makes her unappealing to Brad. <laughs> Uh, makes her as different from her full-on face as she is 
her full on face is from an image of Will Smith. Exactly. Okay. It's that, and that's why it's, it's that so different. Now, if do machines have the same problem? Uh, the way they train them, if they've seen, for a given individual, they've seen all the views together. Yeah. So that difficulty we have with uh, being able to recognize a face from a frontal view, say, to a 20-degree rotated view, only holds with unfamiliar faces. Why uh, is that? Oh. Because so if, the, built- if, if I'm, you know, if somebody grabs my backpack when I'm leaving here tonight, which is likely to happen in this neighborhood, and no, uh, probably going to be a possum, and, and, right. <laughs> and I see them running away... Uh, and I d- to describe their face to the cops. If they turn their head twenty degrees, I would be describing a different person. That's why no. people always rob you sideways. Yeah, they're going to sidle up to you. Well, <laughs> what, what you'll be, you won't be able. So, what we can't do, what we don't have language for, is to describe a face. So those tests that you took, which where you had, let's say, Matthew McConaughey yeah. and someone that was a doppelganger to him. Yeah. And you could not describe the difference in their faces, but you could recognize Matthew McConaughey. Oh, wow. And that's because we don't have words for the initial way the brain represents images of faces. Oh. Uh, and that's why we can't describe a face. We can describe objects in terms of their parts and the relations amongst the parts. But what faces... Maybe you couldn't describe it. Like, I could describe your face not instantly well um, that's I, a question I, I, could you describe it enough where if a very similar person a doppelganger uh, could you describe it to someone else that they'd be able to distinguish that person well what about police sketch artists somebody must be describing it good enough to them look well, at them look at the unabomber the, the he was actual- in a hoodie yeah, and oh, anybody could draw a hoodie. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, the people have a great deal of trouble recognizing faces from the uh, sketches, from the police sketches. Oh, they do. So you get some general things uh, about it. Oh, the beard, the general race, age, um, yeah. sex. But uh, once you get beyond these simple categories, which we can learn not by individually describing faces, but uh, groups of faces, so older, younger, yeah. you know, male, female, and right. so on. I showed you some simple ways in right. which we could dis- distinguish male from females, uh, then uh, we could do that. But describe within a given age, sex, race, uh, and level of attractiveness, we have we no, don't have words, we don't have words I, for that. I, I think if, if I'm not wrong, what you're saying is that the way we describe faces with words has very little to do with the way our brains recognize faces. Like there's a mismatch there. Uh, we can map the neural patterns that we're using to recognize faces uh-huh. onto words. We, it's the same thing we have with simple motor movements. If I reach to pick up a Coke can with my hand from the image, uh, the question is, how do I translate that image to instructions to uh-huh. my musculature? Yeah. And we don't have any words for that. So we're aware of the goal of trying to pick up the can. But we don't know how we're doing we it. We don't know how we're doing Very it. That's why robotics is such a difficult uh, a field. Why you don't want, if you're wearing nice clothing, you don't want Which a robotic not. waiter to serve you a cup of coffee. Okay. Oh, because it might. Oh, because it, it will. It, it I, will I, spill I think on Paul me? and I are both good with robots serving us coffee because our clothes are not particularly. Uh, well, then, okay. Yeah. Special, I think, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, so, I'm, so I'll have a double latte. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm dressed for robot service. <laughs> we are constantly ready to be served yeah. by robots. That's going to be like a section of a store. You know how the evening wear. Do you have any robot service <laughs> wear? Yeah, it's, most, it's basically the kind of slumpy stuff that we wear. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Dr. Irving Biederman, for helping us recognize each other for what we are. Um, this lady over here, Paula, 
Uh, that's right, Paula. What advice can you give our listeners about facial recognition? Hey, Dave, give me a little facial recognition background. Oh, who dat? Facial recognition is done in a special part of the brain that's just for that. And then it gets sent to another part of the brain for further information and processing. Some people genetically suffer from an inability to do this, or you can get lesions on your facial recognition part, and that really screws it up. Rich Scheidner is tall and good-looking, but that won't keep the lesions off the facial recognition part of the brain of the people who meet him. (laughs) People who have this problem are called... Uh, prosopignosics, which seems especially cruel because who wants to be called a prosopignosic? If you roll over in the morning and say to the guy in bed beside you, who the hell are you? You're either a prosopignosic or a really busy hooker. There is a prosopignosic support group on Facebook, and Vladimir Putin spies on them, and he actually uses his real face in his profile pic. <laughs> Dr. Irving Biederman is a professor of neuroscience, psychology, and computer science at USC and director of the USC Image Understanding Laboratory. Dr. Biederman, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks a lot. You're terrific. Terrific. We'll be back right after this. Unless you wish you could trade in your own family for the Pearsons, Inside Pop is definitely not for you. Sean, that's a little extreme and also not quite true. Okay, Amita, how about Inside Pop is the podcast for people who love and appreciate the best pop culture has to offer? Oh, much better. In every episode, we interview the people who create the culture you crave. Past interviews include the production designer for Fargo and Tony DeCray from the DreamWorks Story Department. You'll also get the very best pop culture recommendations in our Big Sell segment. Plus the opinions of two TV producers who are pop culture obsessives and actually do wish Sterling K. Brown was our cousin. Kissing cousins, that is. Listen to Inside Pop every other Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Podcast Network. There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic. Because it's the, the word words bi- for biography biology. and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy, I'm Dave Holmes. I'm the host of the newly rebooted podcast, formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree. Thank you. Our show is artist-owned and listener-supported. Help us raise funds by buying one of our Maximum Fun t-shirts. And again, they are a perfect layer for a polar vortex. They're only available at maxfunstore.com, and they come in a variety of sizes. Variety of sizes. Yes. A little possum size. 
They, they, I don't think we have possum size. We do have extra small, but you know what it is? They don't really have good shoulders. I'd imagine that possums would be um, bad in... Well, they have uh, so they, the tiny ones come with shoulder pads, so oh yeah, don't okay. worry about that. So make the possum look more buff and yeah. just keep the shirt on. That, that's that's good then. All right, we'll get those at maxfunstore.com. Maxfunstore.com. That's yes, a good indeed. place to get them. Thank you. And you know, I have a theory that if every listener tells a friend about nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, we will have five more listeners in no time. So here's some simple sample dialogue. You went ahead and wrote yourself some more sample dialogue. Here's some sample dialogue. All right. Listener's friend. Wow, that guy took your parking space and you just smiled and waved. Didn't you once follow a guy to his home, find out who his dentist was, and send him repeated fraudulent time to reschedule dental postcards? Listener. That was before I began listening to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. All of the laughter keeps me in a really peaceful place. And Adam Felber is on every show. You know, I have two things to say about that. <laughs> Number one, uh, your, your listener sample dialogue that you're giving to our listeners yeah. has become so specific that I feel like it's not becoming very useful. <laughs> These are, oh, this, this is useful. This, this, I feel like you would be a very specific person who did that. And no, that's it. Uh, uh, no, it's well. We want everyone. Right. We want as many listeners as we can get. Right. right. And we certainly don't want to ignore the person who used who to send that. the repeated yeah. fraudulent time to reschedule dental postcards. I feel like that might be a very small sample of people, indeed. The other thing is, you went ahead again with the Adam Felbers on every show. Yeah. And I want to point out that it has gotten to the point where. Where that phrase, Adam Felber's on every show, is presented as a compliment but isn't on Twitter all the time. Yeah. If you go through our reviews on iTunes and, and we do they mention that to, you're to on every you show? You know they do, Paula. <laughs> they do. Like every fourth or fifth fucking review is it mentions that. Adam Felber's on yes. every show. That's very, you should be honored. I am not honored. I'm yeah. insulted. It's, it's 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 not a compliment. You know and what? you're enjoying this. If you weren't on every show, I would not recognize you. <laughs> Because I, I, I'm, I'm a, what's the name of that thing again? Prognostopahusik. Yeah. I'm a prognostopahusik. We got to get that doctor no, back to yeah, tell us word, about forgetting a, words, because yeah, I, yeah, I don't even uh, remember that name of the comedian you can recognize. My memory is gone. Between us, that guy doesn't exist. All right. Now, if you want to submit a theme song or have an idea for the show, email us at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. And you can follow both Paula and me, Adam Felber, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly that same Adam Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, a different Adam Felber, Captain Crinkle Bonnie Burns, and Ken Lezebnik and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman and mixing by Anthony Alfaro. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Dave Fort. And Dave, you are fantastic on that double bass. And thanks again to our guests, Kelly Dormandy and Dr. Irving Biederman. Our head of security tonight was Jonah Knuckles Glickman. Transcription services for this show are provided by TranscribeMe for your very special Paula Poundstone discount. Ooh. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.